You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Oh, I'm giggling because I'm trying to change the inflection and just see if it throws everybody off and it's throwing me off. Morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome. I don't know. Well, today is a very, very special day because I just overslept it. Which means I get to talk really, really fast and try to not push the pause button ever and make sure that I know what I'm talking about all the time and my thoughts are all organized and we're not going to be doing any preliminaries. You know what to do. Check it out. Do it. Groove it. Move it. If you don't know and you're dying to know, listen to yesterday's episode. It will be very informative. But all that to say that this may be a little bit of a shorter episode depending on how um, talented I am at this job. Also, if my rant gets a little hostile, please understand that I have had no time to digest my coffee at this time, a little bit angry at the world, and uh, it is what it is. So, why don't we just go ahead, how did that take a minute? I didn't even say anything yet. <laughs> I'm not angry. Let's go ahead and take our break and we'll get back and talk about football stuff. Alright, so it was, <laughs> it's been pretty awesome, because there was the article that came out that was sort of an explainer for all this Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur stuff. And it was interesting and funny because it was basically word for word exactly what I said when this whole quote-unquote controversy started. If you didn't hear it, let me summarize it for you a little bit. And I said, I don't know the inner workings, but here's kind of what makes sense to me. On one side of it, you got Matt LaFleur who comes from a concept and a system in which the scheme is is very dependent on doing things a very specific way, meaning the quarterback doesn't get a lot of freedom. Aaron Rodgers comes from a system in which Aaron Rodgers does whatever he wants. If he wants to audible to taking off his pants and running in circles, he has that freedom. And what the two of them need to do and are trying to work through is finding out a happy medium. Because there are certain reasons why we need things to work a certain way and you can't just be checking out of it however it's extremely beneficial and Lafleur went on to explain this that sometimes him kind of improvising and making stuff up and seeing certain things makes sense and there are also um for example Matt Lafleur will call two plays and then Aaron Rodgers will go in and analyze the situation and based on what he's seeing he will choose one of the two plays So there's all this different stuff, and the two of them very cordially are working through this. So, speaking of, you know, quote-unquote, not a humble brag, I said exactly all these things, because that's exactly what's happening right now. Now, could there still be a conflict between this? Of course, there's, there's a billion different areas in which there could be conflict. The point is, there isn't conflict, and this whole thing has been made up nonsense, at least up until this point. I mean, it's, it's not false to say that here's this thing, right, where Lafleur is over here and Rogers is over here. It is false to create this narrative that there's a problem. And the, the hilarious part of it is 
now that this this fuller explanation has come out, you still see, even as I'm going through Facebook and everything else, all I see are these articles, Aaron Rodgers already hates LaFleur. Aaron Rodgers already frustrated. And I'm looking at it like, look at these bunch of dummies right here. And then you got comments from, you know, sometimes non-Packer fans going, oh, that figures. Some, like, hostile Packer fans that are, you know, quick to be angry or guys that don't like Rodgers or whatever that are, all over him, you know, let's get rid of him, I don't know, I'm tired of this guy, what a stuck-up, blah, 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 blah. This stuff isn't that hard to figure out. And again, I'm not saying I have it figured out. I don't know to what degree or where on this sliding scale we are, but if you just read all the information we have and try to figure it out from there, it's not hard to look at it and go, okay, so they're on two opposite ends of the spectrum. What needs to happen is they got to figure it out. They need to find a compromise in which Lafleur is in control of the situation, but Lafleur needs, first of all, Aaron Rodgers needs to re- realize that Lafleur is in control, and Lafleur re- needs to realize that I need to slowly, over time, as the scheme allows, relinquish my, you know, my power, I guess, over to Aaron Rodgers and allow him to act freely within the system. As much as that allows, and as much as I can create that, I need to create that because it's a very important asset. And it sounds like that's exactly where we are, and all this fake drama is exactly what it has been. All that, that, That's what really is frustrating, is you see the articles, and the implication is, not only is there a problem, but it's a here-we-go-again kind of thing. There is no again. There's no again. Yes, Aaron Rodgers has been passive-aggressive in the past towards certain situations, as in last year, when everything was garbage, when the play-calling was garbage, when the receivers didn't know what they were doing, when the coaches were not doing their job. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers got a little bit frustrated, and he came out and he said, you know what, this isn't good enough. They're not good enough, I'm not good enough, the coaches aren't good enough, and I'm getting tired of it. Yep, that happened. And if Tom Brady was on this team, or Peyton Manning was on this team, or... Any list of of veteran quarterbacks were on this team that would have said the exact same thing. This isn't good enough, and I'm not happy about it. But Aaron Rodgers says it, and we got to flip out. But the point is, then you come into this year, there's been no drama other than made-up nonsense. The first issue of drama has to do with previous drama. It has nothing to do with right now, and it wasn't even real. It has more to do with disgruntled writers wanting to further their career and their drama than anything going on in Green Bay, Wisconsin. There have been several attempts this year to prove that Aaron Rodgers is some kind of horrific drama queen, and as far as I can tell, they've all failed. And again, I don't know that he's a great person, maybe he's not, but just look at the information as it is and tell me what exactly Aaron Rodgers has done that's so egregious this year. Nothing. I mean, it feels like, this borderline feels like politics at this point. Where these are just hit pieces that you're looking at it going, these don't even make sense. Like, this is just overly aggressive for no reason other than to try to tear this one person down. Which is basically the definition of, like, you know, political campaigning. Aaron Rodgers, not right for Wisconsin. Why? Just stop! I mean, what is at stake for you? For anybody trying to drum this up, what, what do you stand to lose? Are you going to win? Are you going to be the president of the United States if this person doesn't win their job? I, 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 it's just, it's just confusing to me. Other than like we've talked about before, kind of, you know, how narratives tend to snowball on Twitter and everything else. This feels a little bit different, but it's, it's kind of like that. 
Like, this is something I can pounce on. You know, other people are getting famous. Other people are getting likes and retweets and, and conversation starters and are further, furthering their career that by pushing this one thing. So I'm going to jump on it. I mean, and as a fan, yeah, it's a little bit frustrating. Like, dude, you guys are over here I'm trying to think of a appropriate way to say this. You're very loving toward people like Pat Mahomes, which is fine. He had an unbelievable year. I'm... I, I, I'm not trying to say he's a bad quarterback. I just it's just weird to me. And and Pat Mahomes is a quarterback I want to like, but it's like you guys need to cool it, man. I mean, look, this is just going to keep happening as far as quarterbacks just going crazier and crazier and crazier as far as offensive output. This is like the second year in the in a row in which a quarterback just waltzes onto a football field and obliterates records. One of whom we don't even talk about anymore, Deshaun Watson. He gets hurt, he comes out the next year. I think he actually plays better football, but he looks more like a normal quarterback where he's, you know, whatever. Yeah, nobody cares. But still, it's it's everybody Everybody has nothing but nice things to say about all these other quarterbacks that are high-output quarterbacks, most of which are not even as good as Aaron Rodgers, including garbage heaps like Trubisky. But for some reason, although we can say nice things about all these people, Aaron Rodgers, the cool thing to do, just treat him like garbage. Whether it's, you know, not even necessarily pertaining to football. If it is, fine. But it's all just about his character. This isn't even really football stuff. This is character attacks on Aaron Rodgers that are spilling over into his football life. Oh, here goes Aaron Rodgers again with his temper tantrums, his passive-aggressive. You know, he's basically a catty teenage female. Orphan. Hates his family. Killed his cat. Can't drink a beer. Little sissy. Like, what? what? Dude. Whoa. <laughs> like, why? What is the point of this? Like I look, like I said yesterday, the stats dip around this time of the year. I get it. Packernet.com, my uh, this massive money-making machine of mine. I'm gonna go from making two nickels to about a half a nickel. I know it's it's rough times for the football folk, and and for I guess for those people who don't actually have jobs outside of football, you gotta kind of drum up something around this time. Otherwise, you know. Your kids are going to be snacking on corn husks. But, you know, maybe find something else to do. Get a little more creative. Or get a job somewhere else. I don't know what else to tell you, but this whole Aaron Rodgers thing is getting old. Anyways, that's all I got to say about that. (laughs) I'm not a smart man. Anyways, in other news, um, the Packers have yet again added a tight end. And I've been saying this for a while. Like, one of the things that I've, I've, that I try to do that kind of sets off little red flags is when you go over this over and over and over and over again, you kind of feel like you got an idea of what's going on. And then when something happens outside of the norm, it just kind of sets off a little red flag. For example, I felt coming into this, you know, after the draft, let's say that we were kind of stacked at tight end, not in a great situation. We got Jace and that's cool. And I, I really like him, but obviously there's no guarantees. We've got Graham and Lewis, which is great, but they're obviously older guys, end of their career, don't really know what we have left, but they're there. And then we got Robert Tanyan and, you know, a couple other people. But it's, you know, it's something that in the future we should probably continue to try to address. But for now, we've got two great veterans, a very promising draft guy, and then, you know, a, uh, somebody with some upside that, even though I don't have super high expectations, Robert Tanyan is a guy that you can plug in and get some production on, especially as the number four tight end on your team. Well, then it came out, and I don't remember exactly who it was, that the Packers made a push for a tight end. They didn't end up getting him, 
but they were the ones on the short list trying to get them. And I thought, that's kind of weird. That set off one of those red flags. And it, I said on the podcast, kind of just in passing, it kind of seems like they're not really done with tight end. They're, they're missing something. It's kind of weird that they tried to go out and get them. That doesn't have to mean that. It could just be that this is somebody they really like that became available. So I kind of left it alone. But it's still, it, you kind of, you know, make a little note in the back of your mind because it, it's, it's not, it's outside of the expectation. Well, then shortly after, the Green Bay Packers go out and get Pharaoh McKeever, or however you say his name, from Jacksonville. And I thought, what is going on with tight end? This is the second guy they tried to get. This guy, this time they actually swoop him up. I don't think this is about, oh, that was just a guy we like. This is about something's not right with our tight end room. But who knows? You know, maybe it's just about depth, even though that seems weird because we already have four. This makes five. And, you know, how much production do you actually expect from this guy? I mean, is it, are we that desperate to replace Tanyan? Do we need to replace Tanyan? Is Farrell going to be better than Tanyan? Are we getting rid of Jimmy Graham? Are we getting rid of Mercedes Lewis? What, you know, I'm just trying to figure it out. Well, then yesterday, we find out that Michael Roberts, the, uh, the tight end that was supposed to be in a trade between Detroit and the Patriots, which fell through, the Packers swooped in and grabbed him off waivers. This is the second tight end we've gone out and gotten in the last, I don't know, 30 days, two weeks, whatever it is. And now that that little note in the back of my head is alarm bells. Why? Why are they doing this? What is going on at tight end? Now, again, not trying to drum up unnecessary drama, but I'm still just trying to reconcile something that doesn't make sense in my mind. The tight end position is not a depth position. It's very un- improbable that these are just, you know, really high up on our list of guys that if they become available and it's just a windfall of tight ends. Like, oh, look, that guy's available. We really wanted him. Oh, we missed. Hey, look, there's another one. We Oh, we got. Hey, look, there's another one. No, something else is going on here. There's something missing. A- at the very least, I think there's a concern, and, and it-, it could be maybe somewhere in between a concern and the importance of the tight end position that we have to have one. But again, what what exactly do you think the output is going to be when you already have Jimmy Graham, Mercedes Lewis, Jay Sternberger, Robert Tanya? I, I just, I don't know. It could also be a particular type of tight end. For example, we have guys that do this. We kind of need somebody that can come in and do this. It's just kind of confusing. I don't really understand what the main point of it is, but for whatever reason, there's something missing and they're going out and trying to stack up tight ends to see what they can get. And, and just like anybody else, they're going to come in, compete, just kind of take what's best, which is fine. You could do that at any position, but they're not doing it at any position. They're doing it just at tight end, right? They could be doing it at wide receiver. Couldn't hurt to do it at offensive line just because. Why not running back, right? You never know. Somebody could, could go off. You know, corner couldn't hurt. Safety depth. We definitely need some safeties. Why not bring in some safeties? You get my point, right? But it's tight end. That's what we're doing. The three times in the last month we've tried to get tight ends, and we've locked up two of them. Pretty much every tight end that becomes available, we're swooping in and grabbing them. So it's it's kind of an either-or or both in which tight end is extremely important. Tight end is very um, a, a big concern and or both. The other question would be, is there strong consideration being given to getting rid of either Jimmy Graham or Mercedes Lewis or both, possibly Tanyan, right? In other words, not happy with what's going on here. If we can save money, let's do it. But obviously the depth issue is an issue. Can we make this work? So, you know, maybe it's just a lot of questions. It's kind of like in the draft, you just start throwing darts and and see what happens. But let's just get everybody in, see what everyone can do, and try to make the best decision with what we've got.
But anyways, I want to take a look at uh, the two newest tight ends and see what we can figure out. So, Farrow, there isn't a whole lot. He, he hasn't played in the regular season at all. He had one season with the um, Jacksonville Jaguars, which kind of makes sense. Actually, the Pittsburgh Steelers drafted him, but his last team was with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So our offensive coordinator has some understanding of the guy. I'm not sure how much that played into it, but I'm guessing at least a little bit. And just like everybody else, you know, again, what is the expectation for him? I can't really assume that you're going to feel super great about dumping somebody, especially one of your you know, high-end veteran starters for a guy like Farrow. Now, the one thing that stands out definitively here, at least from what I can tell, is that in four preseason games, and one of them was against Green Bay, so you got Gutekunst got to look at him at one point, the offense, you know, there's some crossover here. But as far as his grades go, um, three out of the four games he produced pretty highly as a pass blocker, two out of the four games pretty solid as a receiver. Now, I can't glean too much out of this. You know, I would come in and say, oh, pass blocking, but number one, preseason. Number two, there was a grand total of 11 uh, pass-blocking snaps for Pharaoh. Number three, five of those 11 came in week four, in which he was graded horribly. Overall, he graded out not very good in any category. But again, pass-blocking was his strongest asset. But whatever. I, just, I, I, I know I'm talking in circles. It just doesn't make sense to me. We need something... But we're getting a, a guy that is 99.9% chance he is not going to have any impact on this team whatsoever. Comes out of Florida International, undrafted free agent, goes from Pittsburgh to Jacksonville to Green Bay, you know, 6'6", 5'6", relative athletic score. I don't know, man. I, I just, it's one of those things I can't reconcile in my mind. I'm sure this is just basic GMing. But in my mind, if there's a need, we got to up our game a little bit. This feels like a Ted Thompson y thing. If there's not a need, then why are you doing this? Unless it's just rounding out your 53. But again, it seems like a heck of a coincidence that three out of the last three times the Packers try to acquire somebody, it's a tight end. That just seems statistically pretty improbable. But whatever. It is what it is. I don't need to figure it out, and I'll try to stop obsessing over that. Michael Roberts, on the other hand, does have a little bit more um, upside and potential. 6'5", 265, he was a fourth-round draft pick by the Detroit Lions. Um, his rookie year, he actually graded out fairly well. Um, he, he only had two games in which he was graded really bad. Um, a whole lot of average, about five games in which he was graded as quote-unquote good, and then one game in which he was graded as elite. Overall grade was 71.2, and his highest asset, again, pass blocking, but also run blocking. So this is... I think if anything, if, if we're talking about a veteran leaving and these two new additions have anything to do with it, I'm leaning toward Mercedes Lewis, who I think is not with the team. Well, nobody's with the team now, but I don't think he's been with the team. Um, what was he What was he doing? Wasn't he like getting a degree or something? I don't know. But anyways, we picked up a couple guys who seem to be um, pretty good blockers, especially Michael Roberts. But in, uh, in 2018, it was a pretty bad year. Uh, let's see, week one against the Jets... Week 8 against Seattle, Week 12 against Chicago, Week 14 against Arizona were abysmal games. And he only played in 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 games. So 4 out of 8 were abysmal. 2 of the 8 were below average. And then 2 were elite. So, you know, whatever. But those 2 elite grades actually came in the form of a receiving grade. Now, he didn't play all that much. We're talking about over 2 games, 4 targets, 4 receptions. 
63 yards, three touchdown, which the three touchdowns are going to be the biggest thing. Again, we're talking about four receptions, three touchdowns. But uh, these weren't just red zone kind of things. We're talking about 15 and 16, so about 15 and a half yards per reception, 13 yards after the catch, 29 yards was his longest reception. All four of them were considered four first downs, which maybe touchdowns are always considered first downs. I'm not exactly sure how that works, but I'm thinking if it's, you know, second and two and you get a touchdown, is that a, I don't think it's a first down. Whatever. I don't know. Who cares? But in both cases, a passer rating of 158.3. So again, small sample size, but pretty much as perfect as you can get in a series of four targets. So there's something there. Is this guy going to be a phenom? No. Could he be a role player for the Packers? Probably. Biggest concern I have is he's very boomer bust. In, in 2017, he had several elite grades. 2018, several elite grades, but it's always kind of counteracted by just horrific play. But again, the one thing that stands out, despite having an overall poor year, and even despite having these really good receiving um, grades in those two weeks, the one thing that stands out again is his pass blocking. So his overall grade in 2018 plummeted to 55.6, receiving grade 58.9, which is consistent, pass blocking 71.1. So in both years, he got a quote-unquote good pass blocking grade um, in 17 and 18. Hit the dumb button. So I don't know. We'll see. I I don't expect much from Farrow. Michael Roberts has an opportunity to crack the roster. However, I'd be pretty surprised because I don't think they're going to keep five. I can't imagine him taking Tanyan's spot. No question Jace is going to be on this team for a while. The only way I really see this having any impact, with the exception of obviously you could put people on the practice squad and and maybe we're just trying to strengthen the bottom portion of the depth chart because you need some practice squad guys to be able to run different things at, you know, in in practice. But that's kind of where we're at with those two guys. Either way, it's not that big of a deal as far as how it's going to impact 2019. I'm I'm just trying to decide if what they're trying to tell us is that there's an issue that we should be concerned about or not. Or if this is telling us that we should be, you know, if it's foreshadowing potentially a cut. I guess we'll find out. If they come in, they practice, they, you know, basically just go away, then it was all for nothing. Actually, that's not even true. It could still indicate that there's a problem. They just didn't find a solution to the problem. And then I'll never know and it'll drive me insane until I die. But whatever. There you go. So anyways, uh, let's take one more break and then I want to answer Florida Jim's question as best as I can. I don't have a ton of information. And then we're going to call it because, again, I overslept and I apologize for the short episode. It is what it is, man. I'm just glad that I got an episode in. You ever, you ever oversleep and then overreact because you're in a, just an absolute fog? I overslept by about a half hour. I basically thought I had to get dressed and go straight to work because I just I was like, oh, great, I can't do a podcast today. But uh, anyways, I'm feeling good. Let's take a break. Ah, mm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. So Jim had three questions. The first was, uh, were the mosquitoes bad when I went camping? Surprisingly, no. Uh, we have a gnat issue right now, which I guess, in uh, compared to mosquitoes, pretty solid. It's not great when they kamikaze themselves right into your eyeball. I don't understand the, the need for them to die in my eye socket or my eardrum. 
but it's what they're into, so I guess I'll get over it. Number two is what do I know about Mr. Darren Rizzi, Ricci, Rizzi, Vinny, Vinny, Vici, the guy the Packers wanted, but ended up going to the Saints? Um, pretty open-ended question. As far as why we wanted him so bad, I don't know. I, I, I think there's kind of an internal network, and you know, people talk, and you kind of get to understand that this guy was a real big up-and-comer. As far as diagnosing it, I really can't do it. The one thing that scares me, and this Every once in a while I look at stuff and I, I just think, man, I really hope that's not why, because that would be a dumb reason. And it just leads me down this path of thinking that maybe football people are just really dumb people. But I'm sure that's not it. I'm sure there's there's more to it than that. But the one thing that stood out is, well, Jakeem Grant, the uh, the guy who was the return man, had a great season. The reason that that freaks me out is because we all saw the guy have a great season, but so what? Right. De- Devontae Adams had a great year. Does that mean we have a great wide receivers coach? And sometimes that happens. And that's what drives me nuts. You look at great quarterbacks have great years, and it's just like a revolving door. Every every quarterback or every yeah quarterback coach that Aaron Rodgers has needs to go out and get an offensive coordinator position because obviously they're some kind of a freak. Dude, he could. I could have sat on the bench and coached Aaron Rodgers. It doesn't mean I'm deserving of a job. So just because Jakeem Grant is a great return man and had a great season, what does that have to do with anything? Just because good football players play well, does that mean that he's good in it? Now, again, I'm assuming this isn't where this is coming from. If that's all it is, then football is just a bunch of dummies that don't know what they're doing. And it's just desperation. Like, I don't know. I don't know how to hire a special teams coordinator. I don't know what to look for. I don't know what I'm doing. Let's just look at a team that had success with a couple touchdowns on kick returns and punts and go hire that guy because obviously he magically made that happen. I'm going to assume that's not it. But if it is... Man, this game is ridiculous. But if you look at special teams, there were other people that that seemed to perform really well. I mentioned for the Packers, there was basically nobody. There were two guys that even had good grades. For Miami, there's, uh, let's see, seven that had good grades, two that had very good grades, and one that had an elite grade, and that does not include their return man or any kickers or punters. These are, you know, the, the tackling, blocking guys. So Kiko Alonso had an elite grade. Uh, Vincent Taylor and Sonoris Perry had very good grades. A.J. Derby, Stephon Anthony, who was drafted out of Clemson, uh, Leonte Carew, Minka Fitzpatrick, Walt Aikens, Brandon Bolden, and Tanner McAvoy all had good grades. Now, again, people playing well doesn't necessarily mean that the special teams coordinator is some kind of a freak, but, it you know, you put guys in the right position to succeed, who knows? And I'm hoping that's what this is. I'm hoping... You know, that, that's an aspect of football that almost nobody understands, right? When when somebody gets hired as an offensive coordinator, everybody can diagnose how good of an offensive coordinator they are despite everything going well, or poorly for that matter. Our head coach was the offensive coordinator for a team whose offense was trash. It's not just about the production. It's about, well, look what he actually is doing. Look at the scheme. We want this scheme. We want him as a person. We want all these kinds of things here in Green Bay. Maybe it didn't work there, but whatever. I'm hoping they're looking at special teams scheme and going, wow, this guy's really creative and impressive. Let's bring him here. But to specifically answer your question, I don't have any idea exactly what it was. I'm hoping it was the part where we watched the, you know, the special teams unit and it worked really impressively as opposed to they had a lot of really good players on special teams and did really well. And that's why he wants a lot of money. Because in that case, passing on him was the best decision we've made all, all off season. That's a strong statement. That's also a lie. Um, the third question would be about our new special teams coordinator, who um, 
I think might rival Mike Pettin for the scariest coach that we have. Sean Menenga, um, I would be willing to bet Moonlights as a wrestler. It's like, what is that? Uh, that Billy Madison, the principal that's a, that's a psychotic wrestler or whatever? Because you see him snapping and like one day on game day, he comes out with his wrestling mask on and goes on, sits on somebody's chest. Then he goes to the bar, slams a couple beers and eats the beer bottles. I mean, just go look at him. He's, he looks crazy and scary. I feel like if I had a conversation with him, I could charge him for assault and battery. If you just Google him, his, his picture, he's smiling and he, I just picture the lower half of him as he's strangling somebody. I don't know. I hope this is answering your question, Jim. No, but the, the question was, is there some overlap between him and, and Mike Patton? And there was. Um, I don't believe he was the special teams coordinator, but he was sort of the, like the number two on special teams under Patton. And actually, uh, Kyle Shanahan, not that it matters all that much, but Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator there as well. So you got kind of that Mike Patton defense, Kyle Shanahan offense, Menenga special teams. It all sort of existed in 2014 in Cleveland. That's something we should be watching is, is the Cleveland Browns in 2014. But I went over this uh, once before, but let me just run through it one more time. On top of that, and I'll be honest, I'm just plagiarizing all this, but it's information and it's sitting in front of me, so I'm going to give it to you. Although, what is plagiarizing when we're talking about statistics? Like, this article didn't plagiarize it from, you know, reality. Um, but there, there were several highlights for the Browns at that time. Britton Colquitt, Britton Colquitt set a team net punting record, 40.3 in 2016. Returner Travis Benjamin ranked third in the league in punt return average, 11.6 in 2015. The kick coverage unit was second in opponent field position with 16 stops inside the 20-yard line in 2014. Both kicker Phil Dawson and returner Josh Cribbs made the Pro Bowl in 2012. So in other words, the Browns special teams unit during his tenure there was generally kind of, you know, despite the team being garbage, it kind of stood out. Uh, He went to Vanderbilt. I'm not going to read all the stats, but Vanderbilt ranked pretty highly in the SEC. So he's got a pretty good track record. And I think the most important thing is when somebody gets there, does the unit get better? And I'm sure that was the, the case with Mr. Darren Rizzi as well. But that's essentially what I'm looking for is not just is the unit good, but did they get considerably considerably better, especially when we're talking about a unit that is not doing well at all, a, a bad unit. Do you have that ability to revive? Because I, I think there's different skill sets, right? There's certain people that you bring them in and somebody's already really good. Can you take them to that next step? There's other people, if it's broken, can you fix it? Can you revive it? Can you bring it from the bottom up? Now, there's some people that maybe can do both, but depending on where you're at, you might be looking for different things. Not really looking for somebody to fix Aaron Rodgers. Maybe somebody that can revive or inspire or whatever. I'm hoping that Mr. Menenga can come in and find some areas of deficiency and kind of fix it up a little bit. Because there is potential, right? We, we've got Trevor Davis. He's a talented return guy. If he stays sticks around, I don't know. Um, we, we've We've had success as far as punt coverage and things of that nature. Obviously, we have a very good kicker, very talented. Um, our punter has all the upside in the world, but it's just it's just messy. Right, we got a good kicker, but our long snapper is is sloppy, and our you know the holder is is new, and the punting is not consistent, and our return man you know drops the ball too much. Just just all these little things that just need to be cleaned up. But again, this is, this is something else as far as, you know, getting out of all the drama nonsense and kind of focusing on the, the what's to come. It's not just a brand spanking new defense and a, a new look offense. We also have a new special teams coordinator. Now, just like everything else, there's no guarantee it's going to get better, but it's something else that has the potential to kind of take a big step forward. You know, if we could just get, get the, the kicking and punting cleaned up, 
that's a big step right there. Because again, we have a very talented puncher that can really flip the field if he can kind of get his act together. And if we can get the kicking operation better and, you know, get the, the field goals more consistent, that's kind of big. It is a big part of the game. You know, we're talking field position when we're talking special teams. So anyways, I think I'm going to leave it at that. Thanks, Jim, for calling in as always. And, um, you know, hopefully this, this is going to be the worst part of the off season. This kind of drama mongering is just going to get worse and worse and worse because there's just less and less and less to talk about. This is the absolute worst part of the season until the football players return and start throwing footballs around. But we're getting a step closer at a time, and uh, before you know it, it's going to be that time again. And all the football people are going to be making money again, and they can start focusing on football and stop worrying about, I don't know what to do with my life, let's make up nonsense. So anyways, I will talk to you tomorrow. Have yourselves a fantastic day. Bye-bye.